thegamesindustry.biz podcast. I'm Rebecca Valentine, and I'm joined today by... Matt Handrahan. Brandon Sinclair. And Mike Williams. We are here, as always, to talk about this week's games industry news and headlines, for which it was a jam-packed week. Uh, But we're going to hone in on the biggest news today, Sony. Uh, You'll indulge me for a moment while I recap. Uh, Sony Sony held a PlayStation 5 showcase on Wednesday, where it announced the pricing for the PlayStation 5. It's $500 or $400 for the all-digital version of the console. That's USD. Um, It announced the launch date, November 12th, in select regions, November 19th worldwide. And it announced the PS Plus collection, a PS Plus subscriber perk for PS5 owners that lets them download over 15 PS4 games to play on their PS5s. And there were a bunch of games they showed. Uh, So that was great. Uh, but, but then the next few hours were a bit of a wild ride. Um, and I, uh, Matt and Brendan, I don't know how much you saw of this because I think you had logged off for the day at that point. Um, but we just got a bunch more news from a ton of other different channels kind of all at once. A bunch of stuff that seemed like it should have been in that showcase. Uh, Jeff Keeley was just tweeting a bunch of stuff. Um, he tweeted that pre-orders would open, quote, tomorrow, uh, which would have been the 17th. And then a few minutes later, pre-orders just opened at basically every retailer anyway. Uh, and then Sony revealed that Demon Souls, Miles Morales, Destruction All-Stars, Sackboy, A Big Adventure, and Astro's Playroom would all be available at launch. So th- those are their launch games. Um, some of those are going to be on PS4 too, but Demon Souls and I think Destruction All-Stars are both PS5 exclusives. Um, and incidentally, they both cost $70, indicating that Sony is also embracing that price increase for next-gen titles that Take Two's been going after. Um, so that was a lot, and it all kind of happened at once. Yeah, uh, I mean, but- it, it was worse, because... Uh- it, it wasn't every retailer started once. That actually would have been fine. It was Walmart went first. Then, like, maybe I'd say, like, an hour later, I guess Target went after that. And then after that, GameStop went, but only in stores. And it, so it, it was basically over the course of the entire night, each retailer just decided, screw it. And put all of their pre-orders up and it reminded me of trying to get uh, the NES classic a long (laughs) time ago, which was an absolute nightmare. So I do want to talk about that, but I, I kind of want to go back through the timeline a little bit. Let's let's back way the heck up uh, to the showcase. Uh, you all watched it. What was what was the vibe? Did, did Sony successfully sell us on next generation? Well, I I think Sony, um, I think the the big thing afterwards, but this does tie to it. I'm not I'm not trying to change the subject. Was all of the games that seemed like they were going to be the PS5 exclusives? Some of them actually are going to be on PS4 anyway. And I, I what I I don't think Sony sold the next generation. And the the degree to which it did sell the next generation was diluted for me in like the hours following when I realised that actually like the, the one game Miles Morales which I thought was at, would actually sell the PS5 at launch is going to be on PS4 too um, so that kind of took <clears throat> it's weird because I feel like as much as Xbox and Sony have been sort of trying to position themselves as at like opposite ends of next generation completely different ways of looking when you actually look at it now they're basically doing exactly the same things as each other but there really aren't very many exclusive games on ps5 there'll be a lot of crossover with ps4 apparently sony doesn't believe in generations the way they've been insisting that they have <laughs> for so long um yeah so I, I just feel like ultimately both companies have landed more or less in the same place and uh, i wasn't really expecting that i i was expecting sony to be the company to convince me that you need to buy a new console in November. And I personally, for me, it did not do that job. No. 
I did think Demon Souls looked quite good. I I thought that that visually was maybe closer to a next in this kind of in a similar way that Ratchet and Clank was um, when we saw that that wasn't I don't think that was in this last showcase but it's been in previous ones Um, but I looked at that and I thought that looks like a next gen game okay Um, I I remember uh, when I was in the slack I I asked for a few seconds if it was Elden Ring because I was looking at it and I was thinking Demon Souls doesn't look this good Demon pardon me but Demon Souls looks like ass why does this look so good (laughs) yeah uh, yeah, that, that 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 was my point. Uh, Demon Souls was probably the one game that, like, oh, okay, so this is next gen. Uh, Ratchet and Clank wasn't at this showcase, but also like Ratchet and Clank, not visually, but like technology-wise, you can be like, okay, so that can only be done on this new storage tech, like jumping from place to place instantly. But yeah, Demon Souls was the the one ringer for next gen, which is really weird because again, it, it, it's a remake of a PS3 game, mm-hmm. um, and so it it like that was kind of like wow, this looks fantastic, but it's Demon Souls, and I mean I liked Demon Souls. I have a copy sitting on my shelf of the original when it first came to PS3. Um, so do we? Th- but that was just, yeah, it was just very... But do we think that, I mean, why did they leave? I, I guess we had a good look at Ratchet and Clank before. That's why Ratchet and Clank wasn't there. But that really felt like that's the game. I mean, we've seen it before. I mean, I'll go to Rob Fai. Rob Fai actually um, wrote a piece for us today almost about this exact subject. And he said that in, in the broader strokes of Sony's announcement event, you could see a glimpse of the launch plan they wish they had. The one laden with heavy hitting software from the world class studio lineup that is by far the company's strongest competitive advantage. But 2020 has been what it's been, and neither company's console launch has escaped unscathed. And he adds that um, the gaps are obvious, even if Sony's decision to play its cards close to its chest earlier in the process make it less clear what's missing. I actually think that kind of nails it for me. I think that's the feeling I got that, you know, that, that God of War, you know, let's call it a reveal, but it was just Kratos grunting over a logo. So I'm not sure, not sure it really deserves that designation. There was a certain hint of, we kind of wish we could deliver more at this point, but you know, it's 2020. Yeah, I don't think that's like super unusual for, for console launches. I, I think that the interesting thing this, this time around is that um, I think like Mike mentioned, it, it is like the experiential stuff that is um what what's going to be selling these these systems the the you know lo- no load times or, or quick game switching things like that and trailers aren't really going to get that across necessarily so demon souls looks great i thought but it's it's other stuff later on down the line it's kind of the promise of future stuff and i, I think i think that's really common um for that to be the the highlight for, for, for people of a console launch. Like I, I remember interviewing, uh, gamers waiting outside a Best Buy in Aurora, Illinois for the PlayStation two the night before. And I asked them all like, what's, what's your game? You know, what, why are you buying this? And they were all saying Metal Gear Solid two and Gran Turismo or Gran Turismo, what three, two, I can't remember, but the, the upcoming Gran Turismo game, which Neither of those were at launch. They they might not be might not have been within a year of launch even. And and 
when you when you're an early adopter buying these things, you're you're buying the future promise. You know, you're you're buying God of War Ragnarok, and you're buying it because you figure like, okay, well, when I want when God of War Ragnarok comes out, um, I don't think the hardware is going to be you know significantly cheaper, and that that hundred or or at most two hundred dollars extra that I'm paying for the, the couple of years use of this thing before that comes out is like, yeah, sure. That's worth it. Which I think maybe explains at least a little bit, kind of, the, kind of one of the questions <clears throat> that was going around on Twitter uh, afterwards, which is why did they not announce their launch lineup during the showcase? Um, like I, I, I get why they didn't. So they showed the demon souls trailer, right? And they did not have a date at the end of that. And then it turned out demon souls is a launch exclusive. Um, well, <laughs> maybe. That, that's a whole other question. Um, but they, I, I was sort of wondering why they didn't have like a splash screen at the end that say, and these are the titles you can get at launch. Like, I, I get why they didn't put the date on it because they didn't want to, you know, uh, reveal the release date of the console before the, the end of the showcase. Um, but it was weird they didn't have some kind of screen at the end to explain that. And I, I think that maybe what Brendan says is perhaps the reason because it would sort of... I, I, I guess tip people off that, oh, I can't play all of this right away, right? Like, I can only play a couple things right away. Maybe it's better to wait. I'm, I'm, um, yeah, I'm, I'm going to say go that, that because... So so Jim Ryan told the Washington Post that they had had the price planned for a while uh, and all of this. But the entire showcase, the way the information trickled out afterwards and everything, really, like, like they got key parts of the presentation, like uh, the the little card on Demon Souls saying it was also coming to PC, like those are fairly like major things to get wrong in a pre-recorded presentation, and the entire feeling that I got as the stuff was happening during and after the presentation was that they were coming in real hot, like. Like on on a, on a to- whole thing because I I honestly don't think the digital was probably that cheap, and then looking at the the stocks, uh, the cheapd from cheap ass gamer was like, yeah, looking at our affiliate codes uh, and and what's coming in, like he like was saying there was only like one percent of stock of the digital edition, which means Sony is just putting it out there to to get below a certain mental price point. Yeah. Also, to clarify what Mike was referring to earlier, uh, the title card on Demon Souls uh, during the showcase that it was coming to PS5 and PC, um, and everyone kind of jumped on them for that after the showcase, and because it wasn't actually a true exclusive in that regard. Um, and then uh, Sony kind of came back and tried to say, "No, that was a mistake. Not no PC." Yeah, <laughs> which I, I think is abs- absolute nonsense. That game is coming to PC. It might not. It won't come to PC at launch, but that game is coming. Yeah, to PC. I, mean, I don't want to call the president of like PlayStation a liar or anything, but I'm fairly sure that it's not true that Sony decided on the price of those consoles a long time ago. I just don't. I just don't buy that for a single second. The 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 way that the industry has been, uh, there's uncertainty all up and down and right across the board. Um, uh, it doesn't, and the way that the the both Microsoft and Sony have been, there has been the sense that which one's going to blink first has been pervasive. I think over the last few months, and I and I just don't. I think. On the one hand, you've got the production uncertainty created by lockdown. This is I talked to um, 
who makes the medium bloober team um, maybe a month ago. And I was talking to him about because the medium's supposed to be a, a launch day title for the Xbox One. And this is kind of, you know, three, four weeks ago. And the guy was, was I just genuinely have no idea if it can be done in time. You know, like that, that everything's so up in the air and everything's been so disrupted that you're even, even eight weeks out, it's very, very difficult to know for sure exactly what's going to be done and at what point. I, I can't really remember in the level of detail that would be required to, to know when, say, Sony launched the exact launch day titles for PS4. But it did feel a bit strange to me that they weren't willing to kind of just pin it down uh, last week. But then if you think about what actually was launch day for PS4, particularly first party, it wasn't that great. What was it like? Knack, Killzone, uh, Rezo Gun, maybe. I, I can't really remember many others. Yeah. Yeah, overall, I think this launch lineup isn't amazing, but is actually better. Like, if I didn't have a PC, this launch lineup is better than the PS4s was for me. Like, game for game, if I were going to go through and buy games between, like, Demon Souls, Miles, and, like, uh, AC Valhalla and Cyberpunk, like, like those are those are pretty good games to launch with our, our near. How do we feel about the price on the PS5? It seemed like pretty well within everyone's expectations, right? Yeah, I mean, I, I expected the, the the disc version to match Xbox One X. I thought it would have been foolhardy of Sony to do anything else. And actually, I, I really like the price of the discless one. Uh, $399 seems like a very, for me, and I, I've said this on the podcast before, but I haven't bought a box game this entire generation. So that, 399 for a very very powerful new console actually seems like a pretty good deal to me that that that's that's the sweet spot i think for next gen yeah i, w- I was actually sort of um pleasantly surprised by by the price i, I was bracing for it to be uh a, a little bit worse but I, I guess sony remembered what happened with the playstation 3 and uh uh good on them for for learning their lesson uh, once the Xbox came out with 499 for the top end, I figured Sony would slot on right there. I was only expecting 50 bucks off for the yeah. disc model, uh, for the digital model, but uh, I, I think the Xbox uh, Series S probably forced their hand a little bit. What about uh, that Sony starting to edge into games being 70 bucks? I kind of, ex- I mean, I pretty much expect every single major publisher to be doing that within a year. I mean, I don't, I don't see anyone like sticking by sixty when all of their competitors are are charging seventy. Um, obviously, Microsoft is different because of Game Pass and just the way it looks at this stuff now. It, it, even if they did announce like seventy bucks for for Halo Infinite, like it's just on Game Pass, isn't it? So they get a bit of a pass on that, but. I, I just expect it to become the standard this generation. So I wasn't wasn't surprised particularly, but not not that I'm pleased with the trend either, of course. Yeah, it seems kind of like a foregone conclusion to me. Uh, and, and I understand that like the uh, cost of developing these games has has escalated beyond the, the actual you know physical consumer cost, but I mean, publishers have also been adding microtransactions and downloadable content and all these kind of additional revenue streams around the games to, to make up for that. And it's, as someone that, that, you know, typically buys games with my own money, it's 
it does keep me from from spending as much as I would when, you know, even like uh, in Canada here with the the exchange rate, new Switch game uh, or you know Frontline other games is is uh, comes out to above ninety dollars, and that's and and just looking at a game and thinking that's basically a hundred bucks. Do I want to spend a hundred bucks on this game? I mean, that has kept me from buying uh, a significant number of games, I think. And, and in this new generation with, you know, another $10 on top of that, like I, I, I was looking at Demon Souls really hard there. And, and I was like, oh, OK, OK, I think I will. And I can I can cancel the pre-order later just because I, you know, I, I really liked Demon Souls, but I never finished it. And this is my chance. <laughs> I, I think probably uh, from a, a couple of different directions, like I get the, the price jump uh, for $10. It makes sense. It probably needed to be done. Uh, but also then I just got done reviewing Marvel's Avengers, which is a full $60 game uh, with $14 skins and like $10 takedown emotes. And... um. Like, I think from the consumer standpoint, they're thinking, okay, well, okay, we'll eat the extra $10, but then you're going to give us a complete game without all the microtransactions, and that's just not what's going to happen. Like, it's still just going to be the same games and business models we got this generation, but $10 more. And then on top of that, uh, like Matt was saying, he did you don't buy games boxed anymore, which means they're fairly, uh, the, the publishers are able to control the price much more than if you were buying physical games. So I think Nintendo was sort of, especially on the switch led the way in terms of we we got used to Nintendo games, not dropping in price, but now third party, like major third party games on switch are also just not dropping in price at all. And and I think that's going to start jumping out to the rest of the industry, especially once they sort of lock people in on digital games only. Yeah, and once these systems are like five years out of date, the the platform holders have been, you know, like, okay, well, we're going to shut down whatever kind of online operation there was around this, and you won't be able to even like re-download the games that you paid for. So, you know, you can't, you don't have a physical copy of a game to lend someone or to resell or anything like that. And it's just, it's going to be stuck on whatever hardware that you, you had. And I, I I don't know, like this is all part of a, a a general trend of, you know, taking away any kind of concept of ownership to, to the media that we consume and more making it about paying for consistent access to it with things like the subscription models and uh, games as a service where, you know, once they decide to turn the sh- servers off, there is no game even. And, and this is what Microsoft wanted with the Xbox one. They were just too early to the, to the party for it. Yeah. And they completely botched the, uh, you know, the unveiling of it. I, I think if they had, if they had been a little more competent about it, uh, they could have gotten people, people on board um like you were saying the playstation 4 at launch had a pretty unimpressive lineup and comparing that to like xbox one with you know 
New Dead Rising and Sunset Overdrive and Rise, Son of Rome, and like actual, you know, like sort of AAA exclusives that that made for a more interesting launch, I think. Um, Yeah, the Xbox One should have done a lot better, but Microsoft just completely fumbled so much of it that that they handed they handed the generation to Sony on a platter, I think. Yeah, I'm torn. I'm torn on the on this idea of you know this <clears throat> the all digital ecosystem and the the degree of control and the ad and the, the death of ownership and all that stuff. But I really think it's about what form it takes because my current console is an Xbox One X, um, and I pretty much only play Game Pass now. And I don't own any of those games. And when they're gone, they're gone and so on and so forth, right? So it's that model. And I don't mind at all um, because it's just such good value. Like it's not, you know, I'm paying whatever, £10. I, I don't even know how much it is in the US, maybe like 15 bucks or something per, per month. And I don't question whether I get to keep anything because that price is right for the kind of access you're given. I think, yes, you're right. It does become much more problematic when you're spending sort of, you know, $70 minimum, like way more if it's a special edition, if you're the kind of person that cares about gun skins and all that sort of stuff. But like if you get that, then it's going to be a lot more and you, you're you still kind of only tenuously the owner of the product. I think that then it becomes a bit more difficult. But I've actually, particularly on the console front, not not on PC, well, I mean, on PC too, I guess it's, it's all digital. But on the console front, I actually am just really really happy with the game pass model and um i am i'm i'm it's weird because i haven't been involved in the xbox discussions on this podcast because i've been away for a few weeks but i actually feel a bit burned by microsoft because i actually feel like when you've got an xbox one x which i think is a very capable console it is quiet it's quick it's it's all it's all of these different things i i'm really happy with it the xbox one s does not feel like an upgrade and the Xbox One X feels like too much of an upgrade. And I feel like I'm in this like weird wasteland created by Microsoft's own bad decisions for the last seven years, where I don't really understand where to go now to stay with Xbox. I mean, what, what, what I should do is just stay with Xbox One X. But I know for a fact that they're going to stop supporting One X at some arbitrary point in the future and continue to support Xbox One S, even though they're basically as powerful as, as each other, just because that's, that's their strategy. So I... I I'm I'm definitely all in on Game Pass despite the lack of ownership, but I I'm mighty tempted by that discless PS4 just because that price point looks good to me with or without the ownership part of it. I suppose. Yeah, well, see, and Microsoft is 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 sort of better. Like they are giving the feeling now. Who knows how many years that'll hold on? That that even your old Xbox and Xbox 360 games are all on one account. And very PC style, like you buy them, it'll move with you to the next system. You can play all those games if you bought them digitally and download them. And even the Xbox One game, if you have the disc, you can just pop it in and go. Um, So I I think Microsoft is sort of better prepared for that, probably because of their their foot in the PC side of things as well. Um, But on the, 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 the jump for systems, it's clear that, and I and I put this on Twitter, like that Microsoft's thought is, if you had an Xbox One S, you move to a Series S. If you had an X, you move to a Series X. And that's like, they, they feel if you spent, uh, how much was the One X? Was it $4.99? Uh, it was, I mean, I, I traded my PS4 Pro in and got the 
the Xbox One. I don't play enough games to need more than one console, basically. I just don't have have that much time. I, I got it because I wanted yeah. to catch up with what I'd missed, and Game Pass was there, and it was all very easy. So I... The thing is, but even on a trade-in, it was quite expensive. Even on a trade-in, um, I think the, the price of the system, I got some money off that, but I think it was about £300. So I think in the UK, I think it was 399 maybe? Um, pounds, that is. So I, I it must be up yeah. there. Yeah. Yeah, so so like the One X is a fairly expensive system, and they figure probably that the people that bought a One X are enthusiast level, and those people are just going to move to the Series X. They probably don't know when. And actually, I, I think in Microsoft's case, Sony put out the digital uh, just to sort of get below a mental price point. I think Microsoft actually believes in the Series X, uh, Series S, as their like this is a key skew to reach yeah. the mainstream audience. Yep. I do I do wonder, though. I mean, uh, Chris had that uh, interview with Jim Ryan yesterday, that went up yesterday, um, and Ryan says that, you know, put it, putting new releases into a subscription model, he calls it unsustainable. And uh, Jim Ryan's no fool. Phil Spencer is no fool either. Um, but I, I just, I, I wonder, I wonder what he's thinking more specifically there. I mean, he's saying, you know, these games cost many millions of dollars, well over 100 million to develop. We just don't see that as sustainable. But Microsoft uh, clearly sees this as a long-term strategy. So I guess, I guess I'm kind of curious if we see Microsoft, especially now that they're moving into this new generation, start to back off of the idea of putting, I mean, they don't put every new release into Game Pass, but they, they do end up putting them, a lot of them in there somewhat quickly. Um, and so I'm, I'm just kind of curious as to if we see them sort of shift that a little bit. Microsoft has a different thought because re- remember their their big thing was Windows as the OS, uh, which they gave away, you know, with systems and stuff like that. And then you try to get the money. Like they're trying to get back to the either Apple, like hey, here's a device, the OS, give us the thirty percent, which they've failed at. And Game Pass looks to be the next the Netflix model, which is you spend heavily to throw content out there to get a whole bunch of people to subscribe. And then you just keep spending like Netflix is heavy in revenue, but also heavy in debt. And the difference here is that Microsoft as a whole can sort of eat that for a long time in order to get that subscription revenue taking over. Whereas PlayStation is like Sony's probably most successful. Uh, yeah, it's comfortably the the whole of Sony's business really rests on PlayStation. I don't, I I don't think PlayStation is in a position to innovate in the way that Microsoft can be. Like Mike says, Microsoft's an incredibly wealthy company. The majority of his money does not come from gaming. In fact, gaming, if you 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 believe kind of reports and rumors over the year, was you know it was touch and go whether it would even continue to be a part of Microsoft at one point and this service-based structure is what saved it and what Mike is saying is true like Netflix um, lost money lost money lost money lost money just kept on losing money and spending it because the idea is that if you can get your subscribers keep on building the subscriber base eventually you're earning every month completely reliably do not need to sell a game to get it you know, billions of dollars. And then you can invest as much as you like in production. And then what Jim Ryan's saying becomes irrelevant. But it's just, it's relevant now. And I just don't, you know, as Mike's saying, I don't think Sony can make that gamble. I don't think Sony can play the long game that that is. And it is a long game. 
I think Netflix only now is looking kind of, you know, financially stable. I mean, I, I remember reading reports from Netflix constantly over, over its early years saying, can it survive? Can it survive? And now it's the most prolific producer of, of movie and TV content on the planet. It, it's, it's got the most Oscar nominations. Like, the strategy can work and it, and it could work for games, but I don't think Netflix had as big a competitor in its field as Microsoft does. Yeah, it's interesting. Like, there's no reason why. Yeah, sorry, Carl. No, I'm I'm sorry. It's interesting to me because um, Netflix has more competition now than at any point. Like, I I thought the the whole plan was to kind of like, oh, well, we'll we'll make ourselves so necessary, such a, a default option. People won't be able to to go without us and will become just the you know like steam with uh the the pc storefronts just gotta be there um and that didn't happen with netflix at all people continued to see like okay well there's you know there's a huge market for this and people who owned large libraries of media that would normally go through netflix were like well we'll do it ourselves and now we've got a splintered streaming scene with exclusive shows on like what a half dozen different providers. And I, I wonder if like that Netflix strategy in the end, like it's, it's made Netflix a viable business, but it, but it hasn't been sort of the uh, market dominating uh, juggernaut that like I would have, I would have expected these companies would be aiming for given how much, you know, they were, they were investing in the vast losses that they accepted for so long. I mean, Xbox came out in 2001 and I think it was 2007 or 2008 before Microsoft's gaming division turned a profit, like even for a quarter for, for one three month period of the year, they, they just lost so much money every year, quarter in, quarter out. And to do all that, like it, it, they, they became a player in the console space, but to do all that and then to do it again now and then to still be looking at like, oh, well, yeah, we're still going toe-to-toe with Sony and Nintendo every year. I don't. Uh, that seems like it would be a disappointing outcome to me. So... Um, I don't want to go too over time today, but I I did want to kind of circle back at some point to what Mike was talking about at the very beginning of this, which was the whole pre-order situation, (laughs) Um, which uh, was just an absolute mess. Um, But weirdly, I I feel like despite the... So so it it was as we described with all all the retailers going live uh, very quickly, but then uh, if, if you remember... Uh, like a week ago, maybe two weeks ago, I can't remember how long ago it was, uh, Sony sent out emails to a bunch of its PSN people and said, hey, uh, sign up with your PSN here for a chance to pre-order or something, like, you know, a a PS5. And so a bunch of people signed up for this, and none of these people had received any communications at this point. So there were a lot of people standing around going, well, I signed up for that, am I still going to be able to, you know, pre-order this console? Um, and it turns out that's happening today. I think that's happening here in a couple hours. They're actually going to get like a special link to pre-order directly through Sony. So that 
that will hopefully be a little bit smoother than the rest of this. But I actually think, despite the chaos and the weird miscommunication, I'm kind of wondering if this is going to go off better for Sony than it will for Microsoft, who has set like a very specific date and time when pre-orders will go live. Um, because we also saw, um, Mike, help me here. What was it? The in is it the NVIDIA? What, what's, the, what's the graphics the thing? The NVIDIA GeForce 30, RTX 3080. Which, 3080, right. Uh, so we saw that go up for pre-orders yesterday, and a bunch of bots ate it up uh, within like four minutes before anyone could get a hold of it. So um, I, I'm kind of wondering what the situation is going to be early next week when we all know exactly what date and time the pre-orders are for Xbox and all the bots show up to play. Uh, I, I think in, in, in two ways. Uh, First, the the thirty eighty was was very very wanted, and I I got the feeling that stock was very very limited. Like, like there are videos and stuff going around of people who were just like on Best Buy or something, and they refreshed, and it went from coming soon to sold out. So I, I I'm, I'm getting the and the fact that Nvidia had to come out and be like, yeah, we're we're sorry for this stock is very limited um gave me the feeling that this was just sort of an on paper launch not necessarily a full launch of everything um but i i think microsoft also will have a little bit more stock but maybe less hype i think it'll be easier um because I also kind of assume they might have some kind of like bot protection as well in place. Yeah, maybe. and a lot of the stores will be ready because because for each of the stores when they went live, they weren't like selling out immediately. It was like over the course of ten minutes or so. Like it 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 took time for all of the PS fives to sell, as opposed to the thirty eighty where it was live and then it was gone like immediately um so i think perhaps having all the stores lined at the same time will actually be fine for microsoft because i i need the systems for work so i had to as soon as it went live on what this is why i know exactly when the stores went live because i was like all right walmart's live let's go try to get out there uh and i was there for a good 10 minutes and like it was in my cart and then I had issues. So then I was like, okay, Walmart didn't work out. It sold out now. Let's move on to the next one. Here's target. I did get one at target. And then like probably two hours later, I got another one at Amazon, which was the retailer. I actually wanted to pick the system up from. Um, but in all of those cases, there was probably like a good 10, 15 minutes before the systems like, from Wario 64, who probably made a mint on affiliate money, uh, <laughs> saying, hey, this is available to pre-order at this store, to it being gone was like 10, 15 minutes, as opposed to the 3080, which was just gone immediately. Uh, and I think Microsoft will be in that. And the fact that they've given everyone a date, I think, will also help. I also think pre-order stock is probably not going to be as big an issue as I think people make it out to be, right? Like, more pre-orders are going to go up between now and November, right? Like, that's how consoles work? I wasn't, I wasn't like, super tuned in during the last console launch. Um, the last console launch, you'd get, like, a few... I think there have been a few waves, like, around um, Switch and... Uh, 
certainly with the like the Nintendo micro consoles. Yeah, I, I guess I, I guess I was around. Yeah, and, and the and the the big box guys um, like Walmart will probably have a couple straggler units. I think Walmart even said that they're going to have an in-store allotment of consoles, but they're not going to have pre-orders for those. Like people will just have to go and get them. So there, there will be more waves. Um, Sony, uh, after the Bloomberg report has been a little cagey about how many PS5s that they're going to have. Yeah. <laughs> so, it's an uh, interesting. So we don't know exactly how, how many were pre-ordered or how many there are going to be. Uh, but yeah. Ultimately, I don't think it really matters um, that much because just about everything sells out at launch. Like Wii U's were hard to come by at launch. Um, everything. And what matters more is like after that initial holiday season, uh, will will the sales continue? Will the momentum continue? And I think this generation, especially with um, you know the the pandemic and so many economic problems for so many people, is are these sales going to going to keep on? What the the pre orders? Like yeah, it's frustrating. Some people aren't getting them, but I don't think that it has any kind of like a longer term detrimental impact on the, the fate of these these consoles. So do you think um, the all access offer from Microsoft is gonna gonna prove to be in its advantage in that way? Because I mean when we talked about I mean the price of the Discless PS five is good for the kind of the spec of the machine and you would only expect fifty bucks is hundred bucks, all that stuff, but it's not to say the four hundred bucks isn't much money, right? But the all access offer which is you know, you get your console, you get access to Game Pass and, and the whole thing for a zero percent finance deal. I think I think it actually thinks that to be cheaper if you do it, not not even not even the same price, but actually cheaper. Do you think that's gonna help given how like the straightened times that we're in? I think it's gonna help, but it also terrifies me to think of how many people will miss their payments and have their credit rating absolutely ruined because they wanted a video game system for 300 bucks. Yeah. I will say I think that uh, sort of to Brendan's point, I yes, I think this is a better option than sort of the the options that I believe like like GameStop has offered in the past. Um it seems like there there's no there's no like interest, there's no like extra bullshit tacked onto it. It's just the console costs this much money. It is over this many payments. Here you go. Um, and I, I think that is better than other alternatives. And I am glad that if if systems like that are going to exist, Microsoft appears to have the best one. Yeah, and it's actually cheaper once you add in the fact that the all access gives you mm-hmm. Game Pass Ultimate. Yeah, it's it's less mo- it's less money if you do that. So it's actually cheaper than buying the console up front and paying all those monthly installments of. Game Pass Ultimate. And the thing is, like, I, I know what you're saying, Brendan, you know, if, if you default on your payments, it can ruin your credit rating, but uh, I, I'm impressed with it because it's it's genuinely has never existed before. Like, no one's ever tried to make it this simple, and I suppose that's a double-edged sword. Should it be that simple to buy high-end consumer electronics, even if it doesn't cost you one extra dollar? But as someone who bought an Xbox 360 on a 
25% finance, you know, because I was a games journalist and my company certainly wasn't in the mood to supply me with the console. And so I absolutely had to buy it myself and I paid an extra 30% for it and I would have got my credit rating ruined as well. It's hard to pick too many holes in all access. Like this is, it's an unprecedented deal, I guess. Uh, speaking on pre-orders, as we are recording this, uh, the Sony invite-only pre-orders are, are going to go up apparently in about two hours or so uh and apparently even on the page that the warrior 64 posted sadly there are limited consoles available to pre-order so it's still a first come first serve even if sony is inviting you to pre-order at their direct page it's interesting seems to be a little bad like i would think that if you you had people sign up for the invite system, you would only invite the amount of people for consoles you have, but apparently that's not the case. Weird. It's it's interesting that they are um, also selling direct. I don't remember Sony I, doing that before. They should, and I've I like I remember at the PS4 talking to their PR because uh, every outlet tends to get one console and we need them to do the job but the worst part is trying to do especially at launch this scrum rush to get a pre-order in just to be prepared to review their games and i at the time when they gave us the one for us gamer i was like hey can i just pay you guys and you give me the console, like, I don't want it for free, but I also don't want to rush to throw the pre-order thing in. And this seems to be at least somewhere in that direction, even if it, it, it doesn't perhaps help us journalists. Like, I, yes, please sell your stuff direct. It's easier for the first. Yeah, I think, they, I, think they started to, I think they started doing it in about a year ago, didn't they? Sony selling PlayStation stuff direct, yeah. They did have the PlayStation Store, like a physical retail store once upon a time. So there was there was that, but I'm, um, it just seems like something more more platform holders should do. Nintendo does it, right? Uh, yeah. Do they have an online no. version? I think they have the physical Nintendo stores, but I don't know if they have an online version. I actually don't think they do because I... Uh, I mean, I could go look this up right now, so I'm not just spewing inaccurate information. But if I if I remember correctly, uh, if you go to buy a Nintendo Switch on their website, uh, then it directs you to a retailer. I'm doing it right now. Yeah, because there's like the Nintendo Shop Online where you can buy the exclusive Splatoon Mario anniversary kind of stuff, right? And I thought yeah, they sold no, Amiibos you, you, and you, Switches and all that through their games. No? If, if you go and buy a Nintendo Switch, it automatically takes you to... Uh, uh, actually, it has a Nintendo button. No, I, I just clicked on it. Uh, Nintendo, Nintendo Switch with gray Joy-Con. It directs you to a page where it tries to get you to find one online at Target, Best Buy, GameStop, or the Pokemon Center. I don't think there's a Pokemon Center near me, but thanks, Nintendo. <laughs> so yeah, it doesn't look like you can buy them directly from Nintendo Online. Mm. So I'm interested because I haven't been on this podcast in a few weeks and that's when the Xbox stuff was. But now we've got like all four console models, prices, purchasing options, everything out there. Like which which of the four options seems most appealing to each of us? Because um, I feel like we've got sort of a 
reasonable spread of circumstances and taste and stuff. I mean, I know, Mike, you have to, you're, you're buying them all because of journalism, but, but without that, which of these four things do you think you would, uh, you would plump for? Uh, even without that, I was always an early adopter and I'm always the high end model guy. So, um, I would always have been the series X and the PS five as soon as I could afford them. Uh, which was always the guess. So, so uh, before I think PS when PS3 and 360 came out, uh, I was working at GameStop at the time. So I pre-ordered them internally. Like we got the code in, and I pre-ordered it before even the customer could realize that it was a thing they could pre-order. Um, so I've 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 always been on that tip. So for me, it's always just. Pay as much. We'll figure out how to afford it once the boxes are in there. <laughs> yeah. Brendan, you've already pre-ordered your PS5, right? So I guess that's your card. Yeah, yeah. So I'm, I've, I've historically been uh, a lot like Mike. And um, I, I went with the PS5 digital, not digital, disc edition. Um, this time because I still like physical media and and have romantic notions of, uh, ownership and nostalgia for that. Um, I, I did not get a series X though, or a series S. Um, I have no plans to get one anytime soon because I, I have an Xbox one X and with the, um, you know, the game pass and everything being cross gen for the start of it. I, and Microsoft not really having any compelling first party games. Um, uh, that seems like you know, not a not a good investment to spend that much on things. So, I'm I'm I went with the PS5, and even that feels like a horrible splurge. Yeah, me. Rebecca, what what what? Where are you? Uh, what are you thinking? I am a terrible person to like gauge trends on in this regard because I am I am so wildly outside the norm here. I think I'm I'm a journalist who has like a vested interest in playing a lot of video games and covering them, but. Uh, for various personal reasons, I have not, except for with the exception of Nintendo, I have not ever owned a a new Sony or Microsoft console at launch or hardly at all during the time when they were current. I very briefly owned a PS4 over this last generation, but it it belonged to the person I was living with at the time, not me. So I I never it was never really mine. Um, so I have no like history. Of, like, I don't have a back catalog sitting around that I want to bring forward. Um, and I'm used to not being able to play console exclusives. I'm just, it's just normal for me. Uh, that said, I've wanted, I, I've wanted a next-gen console for a while. And I figured I'd, I, I thought I was going to get a PS4 or an Xbox One, but I decided I'd sit around and wait since I knew the next-gen was coming up. Um, and I was sort of planning on getting one this year, but then COVID hit and, you know, everybody kind of had everything hurt for a while. And I... It didn't seem like it was in the cards in terms of affordability, but honestly, I think I'm gonna get I'm gonna pre-order a Series S next week because it's it is just cheap enough that I can I I have the savings and I can justify this is this is a reasonable reasonable amount of money to pay for a thing that will both help me do my job but will also be an enjoyable thing for me to have, and it, it's it's honestly the combination with Game Pass right like I, I don't care about physical discs so that's not a big deal for me, um, but having Game Pass is a big deal and I know there's a lot of games on PS5 that will be exclusives that I'm going to miss out on that I will be a little bit bummed about like Demon Souls looks great I would totally play Demon Souls. Um, 
there is like there's some stuff down the line that I'm sure will be absolutely wonderful that I would love to play, but I'm used to kind of missing out on those things anyway, and the amount of games I will get with Game Pass for like no money at all instead of having to pay $70 every time a new title comes out is just wild. And I know myself well enough to know that, yeah, Spider-Man's gonna come out and I, I would love to play Spider-Man. It would look so good, but I am going to stop thinking about Spider-Man the second I trip into a game on Game Pass that I really, really love that I didn't know existed before. And the, the amount of like personal fulfillment I will get from that will like outweigh everything. Plus, so yeah, I'm going to get a Series S, I think. Plus for Reb, and, uh, eventually they'll do a, a, a Switch Pro or upgrade model, and I know you're, you're, you're ready for that. Maybe. I mean, I really, I'm okay with my current Switch. Like, I, my, my current uh, theory is that we're getting the Switch Pro early next year, um, especially after they kind of gave those very, very, very specific dates uh, for games during the... <laughs> Monster Hunter Rise. The, the, yeah. Uh, what is it? March 26th? What's happening on that day? Why are we announcing that? Um, but... I, yeah, I don't know. I I also I'm I'm fortunate in that my my partner is has pre-ordered a PS5. Um, and we we don't live together, but if I really desperately want to play an exclusive, I will just yeah. The, the handful of games that aren't going to be coming across uh, platforms, you can probably pick up that way. Yeah, I I, I think honestly, I think that the purely like purely objective I actually just think the Xbox Series S is the most interesting console that's been announced just because it is really bizarre to have this this weird low low like entry point into next gen that's completely accessible and rather cheap and I think it looks nice and game pass and all that like you say Rebecca like the the ability to access that many games and I I think if I didn't already own a console I would definitely pick the Xbox Series S for exactly those reasons because I'm never I'm not going to own a 4K TV anytime soon so I think the performance will be just fine no. And the Xbox One X. But the problem is I own an Xbox One X, so that's just off the table because they are pretty similar. And like Brennan says, the, all the stuff, all the, the next two years of Microsoft games will be cross-gen anyway. Game Pass is Game Pass, and I've got a machine that can handle it. And I actually remember when I saw the Series S and the Xbox One X, Series X, sorry, being announced. God, they're terrible names, aren't they? But that actually, what I really wanted was a slightly more expensive version of the Xbox Series S that was a little bit kind of more capable, technically speaking. And then uh, Sony did that with the discless <laughs> PS, PS5. So I think that's probably where I'll end up. And actually, that's odd, really, because I, I was going to stick with Xbox. I love Game Pass so much, but I guess I might jump the fence and, uh, and, and buy up on that side in, in due course. Wait, wait, Brendan, do you have a 4K TV? I do. At least, at least, I, I was like, I was like, wait, I, I just assumed everyone had four <laughs> K okay. TVs now because they're they are pretty cheap. But again, this mm. is me, like bleeding edge tech guy, wanting to stay on the edge. So, so I don't, yeah. I, I don't even own a TV. My my partner does, but I, I don't. So <laughs> right, so so you guys are are even. I'd I'd almost say like you're edging into enthusiast level and. And you don't have 4K TVs, so again, that makes the 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 Xbox Series S like selling point actually like it's 2.99. That's the same price as a Switch, and you get Microsoft's games and access to Game Pass if you pay for it. And if you guys don't have 4K TVs, then a lot of other people probably don't as well. I I, 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 I will so. say calling them edging into enthusiast level <laughs> when they have chosen to work at jobs that keep them heads down in the games industry all week. Yeah, that, no. is, 
That is some I mean, really weird, insulting gatekeeping. There. <laughs> I mean, in, t- in terms of what they'll buy. Yeah, no, no. Like, I, yeah. Like, uh, in terms of, but but that's the thing though. Like with with, I, I don't think I've actually bought a game full price in the year I've had Game Pass. And and I think about people like my brother and my sister who genuinely really haven't owned consoles until the very very end of the generation. And the power of something like Xbox Series S to give them to give them an in at the start, that's really never happened before. You have to wait for like four years before you get what what's considered again, it's loosely defined as next gen because of the way the hardware is, but it'll it'll run most stuff for a, for quite a few years yet. So I think it's so really interesting to see whether that's gonna be powerful enough to move the needle. Because it, it does feel like Sony Sony's market to lose, it is Sony's market to lose, but if you can kind of tap into those people that wouldn't even think about joining a generation until four years' time and get them in the year year one, year two, that, that's a very significant different aspect of this generation. It's unprecedented, you know? Interesting stuff. I would also add, if you're going for Sony for the exclusives, it sounds like Demon Souls is going to be on PC, so... <laughs> Just throwing that out there. Anyway... <laughs> That is that is pr- definitely plenty uh, for today. You can always go back and listen to previous episodes of this podcast on all good podcasting platforms. Once you're on that good podcasting platform, consider subscribing so it'll let you know whenever another episode appears. And you can and should get your daily dose of news and insight into the world behind games at gamesindustry.biz. Thanks, everybody. Why am I like this? Why do I buy this stuff at launch? And I realized like the, the Sega Dreamcast was the first system that I bought at launch. And that was such a like financial outlay for me in college to, to get that system. And then Soul Calibur and Power Stone and House of the Dead 2 and Sonic Adventure. And it was just all so brilliant and awesome and i loved every moment of it and everything about it and i've been chasing that high ever since it is a sickness